I'm Bob Hocutt, one of the elders here, and I just want to thank the guys up in the sound booth, Kristen and Ryan and all those guys up there. This all happens here with Adam and everybody else, and they make us look way better than we actually really are. So I just want to say thank you to those guys. Um, welcome. I hope I get a chance to greet you later uh, at the end of service, and if you're watching online, uh, we hope to have you here. We can give you a hug. Um, we're going to continue our, our series in Titus today. Last week, Alex talked about how their culture was, the culture that Jesus was trying to communicate to them was so very different from the culture that they lived in. And today, we're going to talk about character. Um, another building block of our faith, and specifically, we're going to talk about the character of the church and how each of us has a responsibility to show one another Christ-like maturity and love. What that means is older believers are the more mature in the faith. We have to view our lives as an example for other people, for the younger believers. And younger believers should be very sincere and earnest in looking up to the older believers for help and guidance and encouragement and direction. And all of us should be concerned with living out a Christ-like character both in the church and outside it. So our text for today is Titus chapter 1, verse 10 through uh, chapter 2, verse 15. It's not all that much. But what exactly is character? 15 seconds of research on Google will take you down quite the rabbit hole of definitions and things about character and personality and all this stuff that people way smarter than me talk about. But simply put, character, I'm sorry, personality is the outer appearance and behavior that other people see. It's whom you seem to be. Character, on the other hand, is who you actually are. The hidden inner traits, the enduring characteristics that define you. So Kristen, if I could have that first slide, please. Character, listen closely. Character is what determines how you respond to circumstances and situations, and it alone determines the boundaries, the lines in the sand that you are unwilling to cross. Character is what determines how you respond to circumstances and situations, and it alone determines the boundaries and the lines in the sand that you will not cross. Next to salvation, folks, your character is the most precious thing you possess. Next to salvation, your character is the most precious thing that you possess. So with that in mind, let's, uh, let's turn to Titus chapter 1, verse 10, and we'll start there. And it says this, For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not, for the sake of dishonest gain, one of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, 
but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober and reverent, temperate, sound in the faith, in love, in patience, the older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet and chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober, be sober-minded, in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who, ha who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, not, but showing all God good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that, we, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Today, we're going to look at three things out of this passage that concern character. First is the character of the deceivers. The second, we're going to take a look at the character of the church. And thirdly, we're going to look at how do we live it out. So who are the deceivers? Apparently, there were many false teachers in Crete, and a good many of them were Jewish. They taught that Christians must obey the Jewish rules. In much the same way, the Jews had accused Jesus' disciples in Mark chapter 7. These people would not obey God's word, and they would not obey the church leaders, and that's a very, very important point. And it's important for this reason. This is not a case of them being confused, or not knowing, or needing further explanation, or clarification, or instruction. They did know. And in spite of that knowledge and teaching, they refused to be corrected, refused to be accountable, and went about their own perverted way. You want to repeat that. It's important. It's the whole piece here. This is not a case of these people being confused or not knowing or needing further explanation or clarification. They did know. And in spite of that, in spite of that knowledge and teaching, they refused to be corrected, refused to be accountable, and went about their own perverted way. Titus 1, 10, 16, for many, there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers. We just read this, especially those of the circumcision whose mouths must be stopped, who pervert, who subvert whole households, teaching things they ought not, for the sake of dishonest gain. 
One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. So what do we see here? The teachings of these people were not helpful. They ruined entire households, teaching lies and leading people away from God's truth. They were more interested in money than people, and Paul says their mouths must be stopped. I want you to notice these words from our text. And before I do that, these definitions are coming from the 1828 Noah Webster Dictionary. It's a book about this big, by that wide, by this high. It's a dictionary that has God still in it. If you look it up today, you will not see God in the dictionary anywhere. If you want to do a really good, if you want to really help your Christian study, get a Bible that has God, or a dictionary that has God in it. Notice these words. The first one, insubordinate. That means not submitting to authority. Idle, useless, and vain, ineffectual, unfruitful, barren, not producing good. A deceiver is one who deceives, one who leads into error, or an imposter. Subvert, that means to corrupt, to confound, to pervert the mind and turn it from the truth. Dishonest means void of honesty, destitute of integrity or good faith. Faithless, fraudulent, having or exercising a disposition to deceive, cheat, or defraud. Defiled, that means made dirty or foul, polluted, soiled, corrupted, or violated. Unbelieving, that means not believing. It means discrediting divine revelation or the mission, character, and doctrines of Christ. Denier, one who denies, contradicts, refuses, or rejects. A disowner, one who does not own, avow, or acknowledge the fact or faith of Christ. Abominable. Very hateful, detestable, loathsome. That word doesn't even appear in my spell check. Loathsome applies to whatever is odious to the mind or offensive to the senses. Disobedient. That means neglecting or refusing to obey. Omitting what is commanded or doing what is prohibited. Disqualified. That means rendered unfit. Folks, this is the character of the deceivers. And these are the lines they are willing to cross. In 1 Timothy 1 verse 4, Paul warns Timothy not to give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. And here in Titus, we see these same people doing what Paul warned Timothy about. 
And folks, this is their basic message. This is what they were saying. Jesus was not enough. Grace was not enough. And in order for Jesus and grace to be enough, you had to do all this inside knowledge things with genealogies and fables and the laws of Moses. Jesus was not enough. Grace was not enough. And in order for it to be enough, you had to do all this other stuff. And they were teaching that for dishonest gain. This was the character of the deceivers. And Paul says to Titus, you need to put a stop to it. But I want you to notice how. Because sometimes you just want to get a stick with a nail on the end of it and put a stop to stuff, right? That's not what Paul says. Titus was to put a stop to it, but not by force. Which leads us to the character of the church. Titus was to stop stop the deceivers by teaching the proper things, sound doctrine, and encouraging the people to develop a better character looking out for each other so that the deceivers would be ashamed and no longer have anything to say or anyone to say it to. Titus chapter 2, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober and reverent, temperate, sound in the faith, in love, in patience, the older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, Sound speech that cannot be condemned. That one who has an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. First thing I want you to notice here is The phrase, but as for you, Paul says to Titus, but as for you, he's telling him to be different. But as for you, we are called to be different. And I want to call your attention to these words out of this passage. Truth means conformity to a fact or reality exact accordance with that which is or has been or shall be. Proper means fit, suitable, or essential. Sober-minded, exercising reason, not mad or insane, not wild, visionary, or heated with passion. It can also mean reverent, submissive, and humble. Faith. Understanding the truth of what God has revealed. Simple belief in the scriptures 
of the being and perfections of God and of the existence, character, and doctrines of Christ. This, folks, is why you need a dictionary with God in it. Faith means understanding the truth of what God has revealed. Simple belief in the scriptures of the being and perfections of God and of the existence, character, and doctrines of Christ. Love means to be pleased with or regard with affection. Patient, not easily provoked. Calm under the sufferance of injuries or offenses, not revengeful. Slanderous, not slanderous, means not uttering defamatory words or tales, not being scandalous or reproachful. Teacher, an instructor, a tutor, one who instructs others, one who preaches without regular ordination, I am a teacher. Discreet, discernment which enables a person to judge critically of what is correct and proper, united with caution. Chaste, which means pure, undefiled, or free from obscenity. Obedient, submissive to authority, yielding compliance with commands or orders or injunctions, performing what is required, abstaining from what is forbidden. Integrity, that means wholeness, entirety, unbroken, purity, or genuine. Reverence. Reverence means a fear mingled with respect and esteem or veneration. The fear acceptable to God is an awful reverence of the divine nature, proceeding from a just esteem of his perfections, which produces in us an inclination to serve to his service and an unwillingness to offend God. Incorruptible cannot corrupt or decay, cannot be bribed, inflexibly just and upright. Fidelity, faithfulness, careful and exact observance of duty or performance of obligations, honesty, veracity, or adherence to the truth. Well-pleasing, which means pleasure or satisfaction agreeable to the senses or to the mind. What contrast. If you notice, there are no lines crossed here. These are the boundaries of our Christian character and the proper foundation for sound doctrine. And this is what Paul instructs Titus to teach. I ran across a quote in my study for this from Chuck Swindoll, and he says, many churches today focus more on the form of their worship music styles and lighting and building designs than they do on the content of the faith they mean to proclaim. And while the form of a church's worship is vital to reaching its community for Christ, without a firm base of sound doctrine, the church will lay its foundation in shifting and sinking sand. Make doctrine a priority in your own life as well as encouraging it in your church. Nothing is more significant than a solid foundation in Christ. Nothing is more motivational than grace to live a good life of deeds. It's an interesting thought. 
But Titus here is to teach the people inside the church about the character traits that not only make up the character of a healthy believer, but also make up a healthy, holy, Christ-centered group of people. And through that, stop the mouths of the, beceiver, of the deceivers. In other words, deceivers going to deceive. But Paul instructs Titus to teach and train the proper things for sound doctrine and to show himself to be a pattern, be an example for them to follow in all these things so that the deceivers would have no one else to talk to. That pattern is available to us today. Mike made this point a couple weeks ago. He said church leaders commit to a serious responsibility to maintain a standard in themselves and the church to encourage and teach others to be good examples, to be submissive to authorities, and to wade into difficult situations with a heart full of love for the individual, but with resolve to protect the body as a whole. All of this to build and unify a church, a people who cannot be spoken against, to be a light in this dark world, for this is the work that our Lord and Savior has set before us. And in these few verses, what do we see? What do we see Paul encouraging and instructing Titus to do? We see exactly that. The church body encouraging, instructing each other in the things of good character so they could silence the deceivers and together do the good work, the good deeds that a sound doctrine, a solid faith, and a good character lead us to do. But notice the implication of what Paul instructs here. This is not a one-time Wednesday night class or a Saturday afternoon get-together for a couple of hours. It is not that. And Paul expects Titus, and by implication the elders that Titus appoints, and the people themselves to become examples to others on how to live a proper life in Christ. So we've seen the character of the deceivers and we've seen the character of the church. The last thing is how do we live it out? How do we go about building and maintaining our Christian and Christ-like character? For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works, Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, and let no one despise you. Here in these few verses, we find the justification for all of the instructions that Titus has been given. In other words, who he was to teach and what he was to teach them. And why? So Paul is saying that everyone, young and old and men and women and masters and servants, 
including Titus himself, all of us have a responsibility to instruct and teach and help others, no matter who they are, to develop and maintain a Christian character, a Christian frame of mind, looking for and waiting on the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's all nice, but how? How do we do that? Some of you may remember an Elder Sunday message from several years ago where we talked about everybody needs a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy. In that message, we shared the following about that. Paul relationships are the people that are a few steps ahead of you in life. The people you look to for instruction and wisdom and guidance. They are your mentors. The ones who pour their life into yours. They help you navigate life's issues and problems in a biblical way because they've been there and can offer biblically sound advice, correction, and counsel. Barnabas relationships are the people you share activities with. They share your life. These are the believers in your small group, in your community, workplace, or volunteer activity. The people that you do life with. Timothy relationships are the people a step or more behind you in their journey of life. The people you, put, you pour yourself into who need guidance and wisdom, help, and instruction. These are the people that you bless in much the same way that your Paul blesses you. And notice, folks, these relationships are far more than simply hanging out. These are deliberate, deep, open, caring, and accountable relationships. They are more important than your daily grind. They are more important than your work, or your school, or your schedule, or the innumerable mundane things that clutter up our daily lives. These are the kinds of relationships where you drop what you're doing because your Barnabas needs help. Or your Timothy is really struggling and doesn't know what to do. Or your Paul is concerned about the path you're on and thinks you need to take a step back and reevaluate something in your life. This is how the Christian faith grows. It's people caring deeply about other people and investing time in each other's lives so we can pass the torch of faith. Paul is doing this very thing with Timothy and Titus. And you read, if you read these letters, you can see it. It's there. Which brings us to the key verse in the whole passage. 2 Timothy 2.11 For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. All men. Think about that. What does that mean? It means there is no one to whom we should not reach out. There is nobody that we should not be willing to reach out with the character of Christ to share the love of God, the grace of God, and the love of Christ. This is the grace of God in action. This is how Titus was supposed to stop the deceivers. And so we need to get involved, become known, find a Paul, find a Barnabas, find a Timothy, 
and get to know them. And get to know them deeply. And be courageous enough to let yourself be deeply known and develop the personal relationships necessary to be accountable, to be a help to others, and together develop a Christ-like character and maturity, living your life as an example and looking to those more mature in the faith for instruction and help and guidance. On a personal note, I can tell you that when you do this, those relationships will become some of the most valuable relationships you will ever, ever have. So we should all be concerned with living out a Christ-like character, both in the church and outside it, so that every opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you or of us, the church, as we point them to Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word to Timothy, or Titus. Thank you for showing us what character is, the character we should have. Father, I pray that as we read, that we are challenged, that we look ourselves in the mirror and evaluate our behavior, our conduct, our words. And we hold them up to the standard that is Jesus. And where we are deficient, Father, give us the courage to fix it, to find a Paul, to find a Timothy, find a Barnabas, find someone who can help us develop the character that we need to have so that we can reach others for Christ. Father, thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray.